0: Welcome to episode 51 of the podcast, This Is M, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you're already a subscriber to the show and you enjoy it, please take a moment, rate and review us. Give us five stars, type a couple sentences about why you like the podcast. Excuse me. And if you can think of one person in your life who you think would like the show, send them your favorite episode. And uh, let's see if we can't grow this audience for the uh, the second half of our Sojourn, our quest to 100 episodes. Uh, Man, my voice feels pretty cash. I got a tall glass of water here, um, but I'm already feeling a bit of a frog in my throat. I don't know what is going on exactly, but I have not been sleeping well. And I find like two or three nights out of the week, I do not, I I really only get a couple hours sleep. I spend most of my time at night just kind of laying in bed thinking. And in intervals, I'll kind of get up and try to do something to distract myself. And last night, that was uh, actually a couple things. I've been I've been reading a lot, um, and not just for school. I've been reading, um, you know, I went on this whole phase where I went back to reading, you know, the Chinese philosophy stuff I love. And uh, for a while now, I've had this collection. There's a famous uh, translator of uh, the Chinese classics named, named James Ledge, who translated... At the end of the 1800s, and he was one of the first uh, Americans. He was a, he was actually a, a Christian missionary to China. Uh, he was one of the first people to translate a lot of the classics of Chinese uh, philosophy and, and history. And um, it's I don't want to say it's hard. It's not terribly hard, but it's terribly expensive sometimes to find um, uh, the complete collection of his translations. Uh, Dover has his Confucius and Mencius readily available, so you can find that pretty easily. Um, and the cool thing about these translations is it, is it has the Chinese also. So it has the original Chinese, his translation, and his copious notes. Uh, I would say his notes alone. It's almost like David Foster Wallace esque. They are usually two to three times the length of the actual text that he translated. And he also has. Uh, uh, usually his prologue alone is two or three times the length of the actual text he's translating. So um, even though it's antiquated and it's written in kind of this stuffy uh, the stuffy style of the 1800s, um, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. And uh, some of the stuff he translated, it's really the only available English translation we have, so not ideal. Um, but, uh, I'm telling you this. Why? Well, one, check it out, I guess. But, um, it's really hard to find his complete translations. And one of those I was mentioning, I think on another episode was the book of documents. Um, and, uh, you know, if you, if you want to find his translation of that, sometimes on eBay, you can find them for like $200, but there's a very famous locally, I, I guess, but I, I'm, I'm sure it's even known nationally, but there's a very famous bookstore, used bookstore in Berkeley called Moe's Books. I'm looking at a stack of their bookmarks that I have of theirs right now. But um, um they have a great, uh, they're like, it's five floors of used books, and, uh, used books, and they have um, a great Chinese philosophy section. And uh, I used to, you know, go in there when we were all living in the real world, and I would poke my head in there and kind of um, just kind of look in every once in a while. And I, w- I would probably say most of the books I have that I didn't have to buy new are probably from Moe's Books with regard to uh, Chinese philosophy. But I, I walk in there one day, and I see these four red volumes. And uh, I look at them, and on, the, on the, in the gold lettering on the spine, it says James Ledge, the Chinese classics. And I sort of flip through these things, and they're absolutely pristine. And uh, I don't think they're... It's not like a rare printing of them, whatever. But I opened to the first flap, because uh, most used bookstores will write the price right there on the inside. And uh, it said $75. And... I was like, "Is it 75 dollars for each or for all of them?" And you know 75 dollars is not free, but um, you know if you, if you normally have to pay you know, two hundred dollars per volume, uh, it is a steal. so I, I marched them downstairs, and I, I'm kind of friendly with one of the guys behind the counter, and I said, uh, "Hey, uh, sorry, I just want to clarify, is this like 75 for all of them or 75 um, for the collection?" or or for individually, is it 75 for all of them or 75 individually? And he uh, sort of looked at it and then he kind of realized, or he sort of, uh, he came back to him and he said, um, actually, our, some new guy at the store sort of priced it. So it was supposed to be some amount for the entire collection, but he put 75 for all of them. And so I said, "And, and but but he was sort of adamant, you know, it's okay, we'll sell it to you for the, the price that it says. So we'll, we'll sell you all them for $75. And uh, so I got it. And so, anyway, (laughs) yeah, I don't know what a what a dumb story to be telling you guys, but um, I've been reading that, and uh, dude, all that fucking bullshit just to tell you that I haven't been sleeping well some nights during the week, and uh, what I was doing last night is uh, reading the Book of Documents, the James Ledge translation of the the Book of Documents. Um, Well, because I'm thinking about it, I guess it is sort of funny you know, we're obviously living in, uh, I think everyone feels this way, but I, obviously we're living in very uh, politically correct times. We're living in a time of social change, um, a consciousness raising period. And it is funny when you go back to a, to a book of the 1800s and it just, there's things that James Ledge says in his notes and in his introductions that would just never fly today. And it's always sort of confused me because now I've read, you know, fair, I mean, I've read his Mencius, I've read his Confucius, um, and, uh, it's it's sort of strange because he went to China as a Christian missionary. And on the one hand you we we can sort of surmise intellectually that he must have had a passion for uh, Chinese literature and Chinese philosophy or, or or and the language even to learn it to spend as much time not only translating the works in front of him but he he is he seems to have digested the entire literature surra- uh, historical literature surrounding everything that he studies which goes back Two thousand years, sometimes. Um, So, on some level, we have to surmise that he he, that he has a love for these texts. But in his introduction, sometimes he speaks about the Chinese people and their beliefs, which with such contempt. Um, He was a Christian missionary, and it's just funny when he doesn't seem to recognize the uh, 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 what's the word when someone has uh, (laughs) two conflicting beliefs—the cognitive dissonance. He doesn't seem to recognize the cognitive dissonance where he's, you know, he's uh, some of the Chinese texts like this This book of history talks about the, the dynasties of ancient China, right? And and until you get to what's called the Zhao Dynasty, there's no real historical record. So there's they're sort of mythological... Dynasties of kings, and in the records, it talks about things like, Oh, when so and so was born, uh, he had a fully developed man's face, and four dragons appeared on the mountain. And, uh, you know, it, it sort of interstitially in these sort of, um, curse, uh, uh, terse, very short descriptions of the reigns of these emperors and kings, um, it'll say things like, Oh, in such and such a year, uh, it reigned, um, uh, uh, grain or uh, uh, gold appeared on the mountain or whatever. And so, at one point, it says a man turned into a woman and a- like a horse turned into a chicken and all that sort of shit. And so, in his notes, he sort of scoffs at the, uh, uh, sort of the intellect of the Chinese people that they would ever believe this stuff to be true. And yet, in his introduction... He's talking about the history of China itself, and he's talking about how the, quote, black-haired people, which is how the Chinese refer to themselves in their ancient documents, um, how they could possibly have descended from the flood of Noah. It's just fucking unbelievable. And you just think, how can one person be so skeptical, rightfully, or I don't even know if skeptical is the word for it, um, someone who can apply reason to, you know, the, the text of the the Chinese, whether it's their historical or, or sort of, I don't know, religious is a strange word, but they're sort of spiritual texts, um, and yet believe every goddamn word of the Bible, and he even says that. He says, you know, there are things in the Bible that we can't question. Whew! Very interesting. As I'm reading this stuff, I can't help but note it in the margins sometimes. Very strange. Anyway, I don't know why you guys care about that, but, uh, yeah, so I guess I'm just trying to say I spent most of my night last night, um, kind of reading, <sighs> reading that. I also had a weird moment, too, which, um, I've been kind of thinking about this recently. Your boy, dude, he hasn't picked up a guitar or sung nearly this entire year. I mean, effectively not at all. Um... And it's strange. Although I was, uh, as I'm sort of pittering around last night, trying to kind of wear myself out with reading and hoping to go to 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 bed soon. At one point I was in the bathroom and I was just kind of washing my face. And I did have this song idea come to me and I spent like 45 minutes with my guitar. You know, and it's just like a little nugget of a song. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it necessarily, or when I'm going to find the time to actually write it. But it made me think of uh, David Lynch. And it came up in therapy. Um, I had sort of fallen into one of my reveries and I was being quiet and I was just sort of thinking and my therapist, you know, she'll not let me sit silently for 10 minutes sometimes if there's nothing to talk about and to try to stimulate the conversation at some point, she'll ask me, you know, where are your thoughts going? And at that time I was just thinking about David Lynch because I had seen something where he talks about inspiration is like fishing you just kind of have to sit there sometimes. You, you have to show up. Actually, maybe we were talking about this actually another time, but you sort of have to show up and just sort of fish for ideas. And sometimes the big ideas are down, they're down deep, right? So you have to sit there for a long time. But if you kind of go through your life, just kind of always fishing for ideas, as long as you have the wherewithal to write them down, you know, to sort of reel them in, you know, we all catch ideas, all the time. And we all have the experience of having a great idea. And because we didn't write it down, we forget it. Right. And then it's lost forever. Hell, I'm like the dude from Memento. I'll have phenomenally great ideas or what I think are phenomenally great ideas. And if I don't write it down in 30 seconds, it's going to be gone. And I'll even have that experience. I'll feel my mind get interrupted. I'll try to get back to my train of thought, that great idea that I had, and it's gone. (laughs) So, I'm not pretending like I have a system, like David Lynch or anything, but I've tried to be more mindful of those moments, that if I do have what feels like a moment of inspiration, that I write it down, or I record it into my phone, like via my my voice recordings. But I sat for like 45 minutes with my guitar in the middle of the night last night, just kind of thinking through some ideas. And for at least a couple hours, as I was then sort of like laying in bed, I don't know, I was overcome with this idea of like wanting to make you know, I've I've sort of hinted at this creative idea I've had for a while that I've sort of been too scared to really follow through with. But I guess, I don't know. I love doing the podcast, and yet I don't know if it was, um, well, I guess there's two things. There are times in the middle of the night where you can't sleep and you're sort of tossing and turning. And all the negative things that you think throughout your day sort of hit you harder than they would otherwise. And there have been times in my life life, where in the middle of the night, I'm just sort of laying in bed, staring at the ceiling. And I feel like every negative thought I've ever had about myself seems truer than it's ever felt. And it's sort of like being drunk or actually it's more like being high. Have you ever had a really trippy high where you're like smoking weed or whatever and you're sort of super cerebral, sometimes you enter this place in your mind where you feel like you see the world and everything around you and yourself or whatever, your paradigm shifts, and you feel like you see the world in a completely new way. And it's usually kind of illuminating. You know, you feel like you actually feel that the inhibitions and the walls are down and you you sort of feel like you see the world for, you see the truth of the world, you see the truth of life and yourself. And sometimes you're like fucked up and you think... I don't know how I'm going to go back to how can I go back to living my life the same way, knowing what I know now, given this uh, creative or spiritual insight that I've had about the nature of the cosmos or whatever it is. And then you go to bed and you wake up and you go back to life as normal, right? Because you've sobered up. Um, I've never done psychedelics, but I assume it's it's sort of a similar thing. You know, people talk about having consciousness raising experiences when they do psychedelics, um, but there is something comparable that is not drug-induced, which for me is negative thinking sometimes. There are times where I'm laying in bed and I'm having trouble sleeping and I'm just kind of looking over uh, my life or the things that I'm contending with. Um, And it's like I really feel like I I see the truth of myself. It's sort of that scene in NeverEnding Story where Atreyu hits the mirror gate where he has to, you know, uh, um, the guy described it like, most people see themselves and run screaming you know it's like i look in the mirror i see what's reflected back and it's and it's like there are times where in the middle of the night i feel like i see myself clearer than i do in the day because during the day there are distractions right i go i sort of get swept along in um the requirements of the day the routine of life it's it's not noise pollution but it's something like that right like if you've ever been outside your house during the day, there's noise pollution. There's just the white noise of life that's happening all around and you can't orchestrate it. It just is. But then at night, the noise of the city quiets down and then something so silent, maybe a block or two away becomes audible, right? It just, it's sort of, there's no, it sort of, there's no noise to block it. Sometimes at night there's that type of clarity of thinking, at least for me with negative thoughts. And in those moments, it's it's very convincing, right? Like you feel like you see the truth of your life and you think like a psychedelic experience. You think, how can I go back to my life knowing what I know now, right? Now that I see myself or what I really am, how can I just get up tomorrow and just move forward? Um, But you do. And it's weird because as you talk about it and because many of you have probably had experiences like that, and the, the thing I'm really trying to get at is that at night especially, and just given my work experience as I've talked to other people about this and as I've talked through it in therapy and stuff, I think that's very common. I think many of us at night for some reason seems to be the time where many that some our our pressures, our anxieties, uh can hit us with um you know, extra acuity, right? Um uh it's just the nature of the beast. I don't know why it is necessarily, but maybe it has, maybe it's something like this uh, noise pollution, right? The noise pollution of life disappears. But there's something about that uh, period of vulnerability, really, where the, the the sort of the fader of negativity gets raised, right? So I don't know. We So many of us have this experience where we're sort of laying in bed in terror sometimes. Um, uh, not that last night was like that necessarily, or I should say not that it was that, but it was something like that. It was something akin to that. I think I was just kind of feeling overwhelmed with the state of the world and um, creativity. And there was something about this minor moment of inspiration where, I don't know, I was just kind of reflecting on not making any music this year and many times feeling absolutely fucking okay with it. And the thing that's weird for me is it's very hard for me to trust my judgment about stuff. Like... I've actually, it kind of has come up, we've sort of touched on it, but it was really the focus of my last therapy session, which is talking seriously about dis- not doing therapy anymore, or at least beginning to consider stepping away from it for a time. Because um, for me, my therapy sessions have just become increasingly difficult, and not because there's anything that we're working through. Um, there have been times where it's hard to show up because there's difficult things to talk about. And that was even the the impetus or whatever for... Uh, going to twice a week for a while, which ended up lasting three years. But you know, we were sort of working and talking through things that were important, and um, you know, we sort of tried going twice a week just to see. You know, because when you when you go to therapy, um, you can spend the first five or ten minutes just kind of catching up on the week, right? Talking about the not that it's necessarily nonsense, but dude, it's like this podcast. You know, we sort of start and we sort of check in, and I give the introduction. I sort of wade through some ideas, but it t- it takes a while for, for the, you know, the, for the, uh, the rubber to hit the road sometimes, um, to, or even to get back to the good stuff. But if you're able to go twice a week, sometimes you leave on a note and without, you know, if it's only a day or two or three days between that and your next meeting, there's the opportunity to really kind of pick up where you left off, you know, and there's, um, I don't know, for me, it was very helpful t- to do that. Um, that's not what is happening now. It's harder for me to talk in my sessions. I feel like there's less to talk about it. I feel, um, which I I never really felt before, but I don't look forward to it, you know, and the experience of therapy is not enjoyable for me. It feels like an obligation and it feels like a meeting. And I guess I've always, I guess what I'm getting at is it's hard for me to trust my judgment, right? So the things I'm trying to, the, the ideas I'm trying to bring together here are on the one hand, apropos of nothing, I do not care that I have not sung and played guitar. I really don't. I I just, it doesn't bother me. I'm in a different place in my life. You know, I enjoy doing this podcast, um, you know, as much as one can. I enjoy going to school. I enjoy working. I enjoy my new responsibilities there. You know, and I bet this actually is sort of coming up because of running into my buddy, Tom. You know, I was talking about going on this uh, long walk with my girlfriend last week, oh, and by the way, happy Labor Day. <laughs> by the time you hear this, today is Labor Day. But um, but I was going on a long walk with my girlfriend and running into my buddy Tom, and he's still very much involved with music. And I think in some ways, um, I don't really know what his life is like now, but I, I'm, I'm sure things are going better than ever in many ways. And not that things panned out, you know, things never pan out the way we would hope. I mean, I think if Tom had his druthers, he'd be an um, international touring musician writing and performing his own music. And he still writes and performs his own music, but you know, it's for placement, you know, you're sort of writing, um, very intentionally. Um, and so he has found some success in that area. Um, but I think it did, even though I know in my life, I'm happy, it, there is a sort of insecurity, you know, someone asks you, Hey, are you still doing X, Y, and Z? And you're like, no, And I think it's hard for me because when I was younger, that was always a sign of giving up, right? Like I thought, oh, if I don't do that, or if I'm not successful at that by the time I'm X age, I will have failed, right? And maybe that still applies, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm actually relatively happy in my life. And I think that's, um, maybe it sounds counterintuitive, but that's actually been a lot of what I've been discussing in therapy. On the one hand, school's going phenomenally well. I'm doing great. Um, work is going very, very well. Of course, there are disappointments and things. I didn't quite get the the job I went out for, but there was an opportunity to advance still. And uh, and and honestly, in hindsight, I probably am better suited to this position, and it probably works better for my schedule. Things are going great with my girlfriend. You know, actually, for Labor Day, just randomly, I was sort of looking around and I found a campsite that we could go and camp to. So we're actually um, I'm actually recording this on a Saturday because we're going to be gone Sunday. And, uh, so today is going to kind of be a rush for us to kind of get what we need together, um, to go camping tomorrow. So that'll be fun. And, um, I feel like there was one other thing going well in my life, but, um, I think the point I'm trying to make is everything's going great. And yet I have spent most of my life feeling like there's something wrong with me, and I've been showing up to therapy, looking for something to talk about I'm looking for the next i'm looking to turn over some leaf in my life where I realize all my pro- like where all my problems are right like I just feel like there's something wrong with me and i I just can't be happy and even though I know in my daily experience i'm happy there's i'm holding on to something else right and I think for other people, this may be where it starts to sound like sort of psychobabble And maybe you don't take it seriously. Maybe maybe you're not a fan of therapy yourself, but um, it just feels true in my life that, you know, the only person keeping myself from being happy is me. You know, I'm the one standing in my own way. Um, and in some ways, I feel like that is the answer to my question. Like, there's something wrong with me. Like, I am the problem. But the the the, the point is that this is a self-fulfilling thing, right? Like, the work is not to focus on the fact that this thing is wrong with me. It's it's trying to find ways to let go of that idea. Let go of the idea that something's wrong with me. That is the problem. It's the idea that there's something wrong with me that's the problem. And if I could, and if I could let that go, I probably would be happier in my life. Um, but yes, I'm trying to articulate this tension... Between knowing what makes me happy, but also looking to other people to tell me what I should be doing. You know? And I think bumping into Tom, there was this sense of like, damn, man, I should be making music. And I don't think I was aware of it. I mean, only talking through it now am I I, I sort of connecting those dots. But I mean, I know I felt it, but I never really articulated it yet. And so I think last night when I was playing my guitar and this song idea came from me, I immediately wanted to know where, where it was going. <laughs> like, what is it? Oh, is this? a uh, it, Dude, It literally, literally, I was laying in bed thinking, oh, is this an album? Oh, dude, am I writing an album? Oh, am I writing an album by next year? You know, it's like, it's just insane to me. Like, I remember years ago, I don't know what the insight was, but I remember my therapist having a strong reaction to this. But I remember saying, I was at some point in my life and I had like a thousand things to do one day. And yet at like nine in the morning, I looked around my place and decided I wanted to clean. And by 10 o'clock that morning, my place was a fucking disaster, right? Like I had like emptied out my closet cause I was going to rearrange everything. And by the end of the day, like literally it was like I had created a mountain of things to do before I could even begin to get to what I wanted to get to or what I needed to get to for that day. You know, it's like I ran into, I identified like five things I had to do that day. So a little short of a thousand, but you know, five things to do that day. And it was like, I created something else entirely, right? On an impulse. I just sort of looked around and said, hmm, this place is kind of dirty. I got to clean it up. And yet an hour later, I look up and I had created such a mountain of work for myself. Not only did I now have this significant issue to work through, I couldn't get to the five things I wanted to or that I needed to. Um, I guess I'm just trying to say it's just surprising to me sometimes where I just had a little bit of fra- little nugget of inspiration of a of a song piece, right? I caught a little fish, a little minnow, not a big sea bass or whatever, but I was treating it like the fucking trophy of the world. I was automatically trying to place it in some um, project for myself, right? oh, I have a little bit of a song idea. Oh, what is this? Is, is this part of an album? You know, do I need to be writing every day now? And yeah, I don't know if this is all making sense, but I'm trying to equate this to the, the same type of current that I get swept up in when I'm sort of um, just kind of marinating in all my negative thoughts in the middle of the night. I think that current feels like productivity, right? But it makes me feel bad. I think this is what I'm trying to say. When I, all of a sudden, it's like I felt bad. I felt the burden of the responsibility of like writing this record. Isn't that fucking, dude, that's nuts, right? I just had a little bit of fragmentary, like, song idea, and yet it couldn't just, I don't know, I needed it to be part of something bigger. You know, I needed to somehow weave it into the drama of how I experienced myself and, Walking away from music, it it just became about something so much bigger than what it was, and um, I don't know. I think I don't know. I hope we all do that. I mean, even as I'm talking about it, I I I think especially since we've just reached the the um um, the uh, fifty episode mark. I've just you know I think about this podcast, I think about what it is, I think about um, why people listen to it and what they get out of it, and you know, god damn, dude, where the fuck do we go with this podcast? But, um, I am a fan of Norm Macdonald, and, um, I don't know if it's just you like things, and so the internet just keeps showing it to you, and so you think it's a trend, but really, it's just the algorithm showing you more of what it thinks you'll like, but I feel like Norm Macdonald, for whatever reason, recently has been raised to this kind of, like, folk hero, um, but I, I saw a clip on YouTube of him with, uh, I, he's mentioned it a couple of times, but the one I'm thinking of in particular is with Larry King, and he was talking about Letterman, and he was comparing David Letterman to Bill Maher, and he said, David Letterman is funny. Bill Maher wants people to think that he's smart, and, and Norm Macdonald feels like that's what's standing in the way of Bill Maher being truly funny. Uh, he may happen to be funny at times, but the comedy is sort of tangential- is that the right word? Is ancillary, maybe. The comedy, it sort of happens to be the case alongside Bill Maher really trying to, to demonstrate that he's smart. And I think he was even identifying that that is a trend in stand-up comedy in general. Um, he, he just senses that there are a, a large number of people who are not trying to be funny, necessarily. They want you to think that they're smart. And, um, and uh, yeah, I think I was... The, it, it sort of made me feel insecure because... Oh, he he was really praising David Letterman. He said, David Letterman is actually the one who's really smart because that dude is fucking brilliant. But he knows that to be an effective comedian, he has to play the everyman. He has to play the stooge. You know, because there's nothing funny about a guy who's smarter than you. Do you know what I mean? People don't like someone smarter than them. They want someone dumber than them or equally smart as them and it just made me reflect on my, you know, what what kind of entertainment, what kind of content do I ingest? It's not highfalutin stuff. Um, I happen to think it's great. I'm not qualifying my enjoyment of it, but when you look at something like Your Mom's House, the podcast, the Tom Segura and Christina P podcast, it's like lowbrow, crude humor oftentimes, and it's fucking phenomenal, and it's great, but it's not like smart, Do you know what I mean? Not in the way Bill Maher is smart. Like, if you go watch Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher, it's a, it's like uncomfortable to watch. You have like these—I uh, don't know if people remember that show, but people my age will. And if you don't, you can fucking look it up on uh, YouTube. But uh, they—I did see a Norm Macdonald clip where he's sitting there with, uh, um, it's the the dude from Kid and Play. I can't fucking know. maybe it's Kid or whatever. I don't know. But one of the guys from Kid and Play and he's, it's, it's Norm Macdonald, the dude from fucking Kid in Play, it might as well be the fucking dude from Crisscross, Cross, and, um, two other, like, intelligent academic people, and they're talking about China, you know, and it's like, you hear this dude, Kid, who probably with his, uh, PR guy or publicist or whatever did some research so that he could have some talking points for the show, but it's like, everyone's just sitting around trying to be smart, right, and Norm Macdonald points out that the intellects are trying to be funny, and the comedians or the artists are trying to be smart, and it's a fucking nightmare of a show, it's just, I don't know. It's a bunch of people who probably don't really know what they're talking about, trying to hash through important ideas. Um, what's, what's Bill Maher's news show, his HBO show? It's kind of the same fucking bullshit, right? Like Ben Affleck wants to get on there and fucking dress. Uh, who did he dress down? Sam Harris or some shit like that. I don't know. Um, but, uh, it's people kind of, uh, overreaching or whatever. But, um, where am I going with all this? I think I was just trying to say, um, the stuff that I enjoy that's really entertaining for me is not what I do. <laughs> Even musically. Like, when people ask me what kind of music do you write, I just say, oh, like, some white dude music. With, like, some white, white dude with, with a guitar is basically my genre. Just a cracker-ass dude with a guitar. But that's not really the music I listen to. This podcast, a dude just sort of uh, having a stream of consciousness conversation or treating it like therapy, just kind of talking through his life, I don't listen to that stuff. <laughs> you know, so I... I don't know. And I feel insecure sometimes. I mean, we talk about what we talk about and whatever comes up, comes up. But sometimes I do, like, I do wonder, like, why the fuck would anyone listen to me talk about a James Ledge translation of the fucking Chinese classics when they could watch your mom's house podcast? And, uh, uh, I'm trying not to say anything crude, but you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's just something entirely different, right? I mean, I have fucking crazy belly laughs when I watch that fucking podcast and that's why I enjoy it. That's what brings, uh, it keeps me coming back. I mean, when I, someone on the Chris Aaliyah podcast, uh, regardless of the situation he's in now or what he did or did not do, that podcast was incredibly inspirational to me. And I laughed, I mean, I've, I've, for the episodes that are available, I've gone through all of them three times. And, you know, the first time I went through them, it was just, there were so many belly laughs and it brought so much joy to my life for, for, for that period of time. In fact, maybe I should go back and listen to some of those things, but especially now, honestly, but, um, but I don't know. I sort of look to my life and my body of work and I just think, what have I created that's like that for other people? I don't know. You know, but I go back to this Taoistic idea of, you know, no unnecessary action, the concept of Wu Wei, which is usually, it's usually translated as non-action. And so, people often think it just means, like, do nothing. And and sometimes people even translate it that way. But I think most people come to feel like it, it actually means do no unnecessary action. There's, you know, and this is sort of the difference between, like, Taoism and Confucianism, but Taoism especially became this sort of um, mystical, spiritual kind of, um stillness, do nothing, and, and everything will be completed of itself kind of spiritualism, whereas Confucianism is very applicable to life. Like, how can we sort of adopt these higher ideals, and how do they apply to our to our lives? Right? There's the sage, and then there's like, the, you know, the philosopher king. And I think Confucianism um, is aimed more at the philosopher king, a man of the world with uh, higher ideals, so yada, yada, yada. Um, So I do think no unnecessary action, like you kind of, uh, uh, like there's often this idea in Taoism of the uncarved block. Um, there's, uh, there's two books that are kind of a great introduction to Taoism, um, uh, The Tao of Pooh and The Day of Piglet, and The Day of Piglet talks about the concept of the uncarved block and that what makes Piglet great is that he doesn't know that he's great. He just is who he is, naturally. There's no affect, he just is who he is, or maybe affect's the wrong word. There's just no, um, there's no uh, formed personality, right? There's no performative personality. He just is who he is. He uh, everything just sort of comes. There's no unnecessary action. Um, it's, it's almost like when you look at animals, they, like if you just look at dogs and animals, there is sort of an enlightened quality to them, right? They don't. They're not weighed down with existential angst you know they just kind of do what's necessary in the moment especially wild animals they just sort of live different lives than we do obviously um there's no unnecessary action it's time to eat it's time to sleep it's time to mate it's time to run cuz you're being chased by a fucking cheetah um So maybe to bring it back to what I was talking about earlier, there are times in the middle of the night where all of a sudden I think, "Oh, I have to write an album." I feel this external pressure to do. It's a lot of unnecessary action that I impose on myself. I mean, in some ways, it's good. You know, it's helped me educate myself, and it's 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 motivated me to complete many things that I have ostensibly wanted to do with, to, to do with my life. But there's something weird about a guy like myself who will decide, you know, okay, for this year, I will only listen to Beethoven and I will literally create a curriculum for myself and only listen to Beethoven for a year. Now, that's great. You know, maybe hearing that many people say like, oh yeah, that would be cool. Or like, I'm going to read the Bible cover to cover in a year or something like that. These things I do, um... It's great. Now I get to say that I have done them, but the motivation for them, I mean, it's both my interests, you know, I I happen to be interested in these things, but I'm always imagining some external person judging me or weighing my accomplishments, right? So, for me, it's not just enough to like read Genesis, which really is sufficient, by the way. (laughs) If you ever want to just check out the Bible, read Genesis. If you happen to like it, you can move forward, but prepare to get very bored very quickly you know? Exodus is, uh, you know, it's sort of bookended by interesting things. It's a lot of fucking, you know, describing this, you know, the fucking describing the tabernacle. Like, people talk about, like, in the Iliad, there's this, like, the, a lot of people fucking, like, it's just insane. Like, translators hate it. There's just, like, two pages where it just talks about all the horses that were on the ships, the uh, the Achaean ships to Troy, and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, You know, these dynasties of kings, like, the Book of Kings, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, these fucking books are tedious. But anyway, I digress. Um, I feel like there's going to be some sort of test, you know? So instead of just kind of being present in the moment, oh, there's a song idea. Oh yeah, look, I caught a fish. I think, you know, where does this fit into my life? Is this a record? I'll automatically, I want to impose some project on myself. So anyway, a lot of unnecessary action, like the cleaning. I have five things I need to do today um, to get through them effortlessly would have been an accomplishment. And yet I created something for myself. I created a lot of unnecessary action for myself to complicate things. And it felt, maybe that's that's the point too, it felt like the right thing to do and yet it wasn't at all. It was the right thing for somebody else. In that moment where I decided I needed to clean, oh, wow, holy shit, man. In that, like, my place was fucking fine for me, right? Like, I'm looking around my place right now, and it's not clean. But I guess it's good for me, right? Because I'm living in it. I'm, this is how I live. But what I live with all the time is is it clean enough for someone else? When I was sitting in that moment thinking, damn, I should clean my place... I'm sure I was imagining someone coming in and seeing my place. Not that I was expecting anyone, but it was like I I imagined some external expectation that someone else would have looking at my life or my place. I was cleaning it for somebody else. I wasn't cleaning it for me. Literally, I was cleaning it for somebody else. And so in those moments at night where I, I feel like I feel the weight of my life, I'm imagining someone else. And yet when I live my life, I'm doing what I'm doing for myself and I'm happy. You know, when I get an inspiration for a song, dude, I I love doing the podcast. I love fucking with my synthesizer every once in a while. I love reading my books and I, I don't know, my life is good right now. And yet when I think of someone else, what would someone else think of my life? What would my buddy Tom think of my life right now? You know, it's probably the most recent example. Um you know, for many of you, if you start therapy, it's going to be your parents, right? <laughs> right? Like most of us live, um, whether we think we do or not, our parents obviously have a profound influence on how we see ourselves. What they want for us is often more formative than what we want for ourselves. Teasing that out is is really a, a life's work for many people. But um, But maybe that actually helps me get back to the point. I think what I'm trying to say is, you know, I'm wondering if at this point in my life, one of the major dramas that I'm trying to work through is reconciling this, no matter how many times I talk about it, no matter how, no matter how many times I recognize it in my life, that I, most of the time I'm living for someone else. You know, I'm, I'm living as if I'm being observed. And maybe that's good. Good on, you know, I think it's, it's not either or it, hap- it It's good. And that I feel accountable to myself. Right. Like, I don't know. Uh, I know Chinese philosophy talks about this as well, but I'm sure it's, you know, um, articulated. I was going to say named, but, uh, that's actually another fucking topic about these liberal buzzwords. Everyone's saying named now. Oh, thank you for naming that. Nobody says just the, no, it can't just be say, oh, thanks for saying that. Oh, thank you for naming that. Oh, Jesus Christ, people. Anyway, that's a whole other fucking topic. I don't want to get sidetracked with that, but, um, yeah, living for someone else. Yeah, I don't know. See, that's why you got to write things down, folks. The minute you get sidetracked, you can fucking lose everything. Anyway, I'll be honest with you, I'm just glad we're talking. huh. <sighs> As I'm falling into a reverie here and I'm being silent, on the one hand, I'm thinking, oh, well, let's just let it be silent for a second. And of course, I hear I have the fan in my bathroom going. So I'm sure this entire episode, there may have been some, you might hear some, we call it uh, floor noise, some bass hum that may be present in this episode that's not present in others. Maybe not too audible, but if you're listening with headphones, you might be able to hear it. Here, listen and see if you can hear this. Now, I don't know. If you want extra credit, go compare that with another moment of silence in another podcast episode and see if the two sound the same. All right, man. What are we talking about now? I think we're almost at the 43-minute mark here. Ooh. Yeah. Leaving therapy though, that's a scary prospect for me. Maybe this is sort of what I was driving at the whole time, but I, I, I don't trust my judgment with these things. You know, I think because I spend so much of my time sort of externalizing someone else's expectations, i, I it's like I defer to some imagined expertise external to myself that I sort of live up to. You know... It's not enough to just listen to Beethoven, I have to listen to Beethoven for one year, because I'm imagining some kind of text test, right? There's some sort of externalized expert to myself who is going to uh, judge me um, test me. Um, and that really applies to every aspect of my life, like even my relationship. My girlfriend is the expert of our relationship. and in some ways I've even talked about it in therapy this way like I will just do whatever my girlfriend tells me to do in terms of our relationship like when my girlfriend decides it's time for us to get married I'm gonna marry her because I trust her judgment I don't trust my own I don't trust myself to make the the excuse me sorry I don't trust myself to make those decisions there's too much noise in my life I'm too prone to look up one day and decide I need to do X. And yet there's this sort of Jekyll and Hyde element, right? Like, oh, I'm going to clean my place or, oh, I'm going to make a record. I can find myself knee deep in a project that I probably have no fucking business being in when really I should have just kept on the, just sort of trusted the path that I was on. Oh man, now this is getting kind of, heavy to talk about. But I think about this in terms of my creative life also. And maybe it's just easy to say because I don't know, you know, this itself is its own kind of imposed hypothetical uh, reality that could or could not be true. There's a part of me that really feels like if I never stopped being the plastic arts, if I just kept making little acoustic tunes in my bedroom, I would have found my audience. I still... Fucking hear about that music. I still get emails about that Record Academy clones. I still have people who find my new music and say, "Hey man, found your music a long time ago, and I just want to let you know that that record meant a lot to me." And in a way, I'm I'm kind of getting back to this on this idea of no unnecessary action. Um, I think that's because that was I was fully in that. You know, I was I was very woo way. I was very uncarved block. I wrote as if no one was listening, because no one was listening. And I think I was able to create something that is not timeless. You know, I listen back, and I, I hear youth, I hear, you know, I'm not the same person anymore. But that was like, I was I was creating from, you know, the deepest parts of myself. And, and uh, you know, it just, it makes sense to me that people saw themselves in it, right? And there's a part of me that wants to get back to that. You know, as I I was getting this song idea, I was thinking, oh, is this part of a record? Should I be doing another acoustic record? Should I be doing another plastic arts record? But that itself feels like its own imposed creative whatever. You know, like maybe that chapter is closed. Maybe that time has passed. Maybe you can't go back. Because I'm literally thinking, oh, well, maybe if I released a record as a Plastic Arts, like, would people who are still connected with that, like, would they find it? And would they be like, oh, shit. And, like, would that record be dope? And would they start sharing it? And would that, and it's like, remember when I was talking about texting Matt Nathanson on the last episode, I was saying he should do a podcast. And uh, there was a part of me that wanted to articulate to him all the the reasons he, quote, should do a podcast, right? Like, it's a way to stay creative, you know, productive, creatively during the pandemic, It'd be a great way for you to connect with, to you know, provide a space for people who are successful, right? You can introduce yourself to their audiences, all that sort of shit. And he has the, the, the talent to pull it off. I really do. He's one of the few people I can think of who can speak well and has words, right? He has wit. He has wisdom. I think it would be a great podcast. But I was trying to think of all the practical ways that it would be good, what it could do for him, right? Rather than it just being good in and of itself, what it could do for him. I was starting to think that way about fucking going back to the plastic arts. Well, maybe that'll get me an audience. Maybe then I'll be successful. And, um, yeah, then I start to feel icky because I think what I want in my life is something different now. You know, I had forgotten, I mean, this, you know, part of my new responsibilities at work, I was saying I'm, 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 I'm buried in these spreadsheets. And basically it's, it's just an a sort of administrative task I have to do where I'm, I'm basically pairing people together. I have two separate groups who are giving me their availability, these very specific availabilities. And I'm having to pair like 65 people together, you know, and it's just a fucking jigsaw, right? That you're trying to, trying to piece together, but spending all that time in Google Docs and spreadsheets and like an sh- email, you know, I had forgotten what it was like trying to book those tours. You know, that was fucking misery. You know, everything I was doing in the service of being successful was fucking misery. And not that, you know, enjoying things is is, is like the, the rubric for what you should do, right? Like there's plenty of things in life we have to do that are fucking awful, you know? Like my therapist said, look, if I didn't have to invoice anybody for the rest of my life, I'd be a fucking happier person. She didn't cuss. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm putting those words in her mouth, but you know, there's all there's things we have to do that we don't enjoy. But I've always this is a, this is a separate idea, I think. But I've always felt like, and not not that everyone does this, but I've always felt like I could make my life if I was discriminating and if I was smart and if I worked on myself hard enough, I would make the right decision in the right moments, right? Like I may sort of fumble around my life like Pinocchio, like, Oh, I'm just trying to be a real boy making mistakes over here. And, but I always felt like if I, if I was, if I was still sort of tuned in the right frequency that at the right moments, I would make the right decisions. And I think historically, (laughs) well, there's, well, I was going to say historically, I think I have done that you know, I think at critical junctures in my life, I think I have made the right decision. Um, Whether it's, it's time to move to the Bay Area, or it's time to force yourself to get on stage, or it's time to start writing music, or it's time to quit music, it's time to go back to school. Talking to my girlfriend, to me, is one of the fucking perfect moments. I had spent like a year and a half going out all the time, meeting people, uh, being a bit of a fucking barfly, because I knew there was going to come a time where I needed to be brave. You know, and I wasn't a complete recluse. I have been completely reclused at times in my life, but I just knew that at that point in my life, my life you know, my ability to sort of engage, to advocate for myself, to um to put myself forward was a coin toss. And I needed to be there was gonna be there's going to be a moment in my life where I needed to be brave and I wasn't convinced that I had that skill. Sorry, I have to get some water here. <clears throat> And I remember seeing, and, 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 and just another one of those weird things where, you know, part of what I was telling myself at the time was that I needed to quit drinking, and I'm glad I did eventually, but maybe there's a season for that too. Maybe there's a season for just kind of letting yourself drink. Anyway, I don't want to advocate that for other people. I'm just talking about myself, but you know, part of me even meeting my girlfriend was give, surrendering to this desire to have a beer. You know, the, the quote, right thing to do, the externalized exp- expert would have told me to go home. Like, you should go home. You should go to bed. You should not be drinking. And yet I did. And that's when I was at the bar and I saw my girlfriend walk up to the bar. And before I could not talk to her, I, I remember telling myself, talk to her before you don't. And I did. And there were even moments like, hey, uh, she was with some girlfriends and they're like, hey, you want to get a table with us? I could have said no. And I have done that. I, ha- I-, I have had people invite me into experiences or interactions or whatever you want to call them that I have walked away from because I was scared. Because I felt like I was giving a performance and I was like, oh, I've done well this far, but I can't keep it up for another act. <laughs> right?" Like a stand-up comedian, you'll see this sometimes. They have time on stage and all of a sudden they get sidetracked by some heckler or they, they sort of extemporize and they sort of make something up and they get a huge laugh and they go, Oh, I can't beat that. That's my time. Good night. And they sort of walk off stage. That was like how I would interact sometimes. But it was like, I, 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 I don't know. I just sort of said yes. Every, every time you reach a new door and knock, you just sort of walk through it. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, damn dude, I don't even fucking know. Well, I was talking about making the right decision at different times in your life and how I think I've done that historically. (sighs) I guess I've always thought that if I worked on myself hard enough that I could make my life what it was supposed to be. I could, I could make my life into something that was happy and not that life is perfect, but I, I have always felt like I will marry the right person. You know, I can make a lot of mistakes in my life, but I'm going to marry the right person um, I'm going to find the right job. Right. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there was some other point I was driving at with all that, but, uh, I seem to have lost it now, but, um, yeah. I guess at this point though, I I think what I'm just trying to say is that it's hard for me to trust my judgment, right? I sort of defer to someone else's experience. And when I talk to my therapist about wanting to quit therapy, it scares me that my therapist is willing to trust my judgment about the situation. Like I'm fully expecting my therapist to be secretively feeling like, well, this is going to be a fucking nightmare, right? Like, uh, this guy's going to be running back to me in like six months or whatever. Like, I feel like I am fucked up, you know, and when I say to my therapist, no, I'm thinking about taking a break, you know, I'm sure, I, I, I'm assuming that she goes, huh, well, we know what this is about. Like, I'm I'm literally feeling like, well, it's probably, you know what it probably is? It's probably that, I mean, I go through my life feeling like so many people are like um, strangers to themselves, and I know we don't see people in their private moments, but there are some people, and Unfortunately, we can never see ourselves, so maybe we fucking look the same way to other people. but I just mean there are some people who seem so far detached from who they really are, like they are really living in someone else's clothes, like they're kind of like that kid wearing their dad's you know like there I just feel like there are some people who are so deep in it in the delusion in the whatever in the web that I feel like I've been spending ten years of my life in therapy trying to unweave um that in some ways you don't trust their judgment like those people you know not that everyone's the same but it's like look you really have to tease out who you are and what you want and otherwise most people do look up at like the end of their 30s after graduating college and starting their career and saying damn I'm living for someone else I'm living for my parents I'm doing what I'm quote supposed to be doing but I'm not doing what I want for myself um you know people get married like fucking right after high school it's fucking crazy right and of course, they look up at 30 and say, what the fuck? Who who am I married to? Anyway, I, I literally feel my thoughts, like, I feel like they're being, sh- like, put through a prism right now. And now my, my thinking is sort of scattering into areas I wasn't even in t- intending it to. So, I don't know that there's a, uh, and also, as I'm looking at the time, it's like 55 minutes. I have thought seriously recently about reducing the podcast to 50 minutes, 5 zero. Because especially lately, I have felt, you know, maybe 50 minutes like therapy is doable. You know, maybe therapy is 50 minutes for a reason. If an hour 10 was the perfect time to be talking, maybe that would be a good thing. And part of me wants to keep pushing it because so many of the podcasts that I like are, you know, like your mom's house, like two hours, you know, or... uh yeah, most bo- mo- most podcasts are sort of long form. But maybe for this kind of monologue, kind of one-person thing, maybe shorter is better, you know? Because right now I'm looking and I'm like, oh, I got about five minutes of filler to give you, folks. <clears throat> in some ways, I don't know. I'm really trying to put a pin in everything I've been talking about so far. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's been scary to stand at what might be The end of therapy for now, and trust myself that that's okay. And maybe that sounds stupid to you. Maybe that sounds like, well, that's a fucking silly thing to be fucking working through. But um, I don't know. It feels important to me because I think it speaks to this idea that you know, I just I don't trust my judgment about stuff. I assume that there's some. I I assume that the, you know, I was talking about this Jekyll and Hyde aspect of my what I think is part of my personality, and I assume that. I assume that hide, the bad part of me, is sort of steering the wheel sometimes of my decision-making process. <sighs> and yet my therapist seems to trust my judgment. You know, keeps daring me to sort of consider seriously, like, maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Not that you're perfect, but maybe this thing that you think is so wrong with you, maybe it just doesn't exist. Maybe it's your belief that it exists. That's the problem. Oof! Fucking crazy stuff, man. Damn, dude, that's true. No wonder I need therapy. Oh! Anyway. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to camping tomorrow. It's kind of a crazy thing to think. Uh, you know, uh, Labor Day was coming up, and my girlfriend was like, hey, maybe we should get away. And, dude, I, I'm so fucking lame. I'm so predictable. My first thought was like, oh, no. Let me just stay in my hole. Let me cower in my hobble. But anyway, man, we're going camping. So happy Labor Day to you. Now, uh, if you're listening to this on Monday, when it comes out, it is Labor Day. I hope you're doing something fun. I hope, I hope you're, um, you know, taking care of yourselves. I hope, uh, I don't know. In some ways, I feel like the reality of the situation we're in politically is becoming more and more apparent to me. Um, I don't know. Something new is percolating. I think we all feel it. I think the protests have increased. I think uh the civilian death uh the sort of factional civilian death that we're experiencing is on the rise and um I don't know. I think as we're going into the selection, I think we're all scared a little bit. And and I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but I just feel something new percolating in the air. And um yeah, I think a lot of us are just concerned, one, that Trump's going to go for another four years, but also (laughs) uh, that he's not going to want to leave and what that's going to look like. Uh, So, I I don't know. Anyway, hey, let's end on that fucking dark, uh, ominous note. Um, If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, you can on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, And if you've been listening for a while, actually, fuck it. If you're listening to this podcast at all, rate and review us give us a five star review. Uh, type a couple sentences about why you like the podcast and why other people should too. That, that stuff's helpful. When other people are sort of browsing through looking for something new, if it's got good reviews, they're more likely to check it out. So help us out, man. Throw us a bone. Oh man. Yawning in the outro. And if you can think of one person in your life who you think would like the podcast, share it with them. You know, personal recommendations work better than generic reviews. Even more. It's even better. so do that. Um, and really at this point, I'm just trying to come up with a word filler to push us past the hour mark. So, but Hey, let's not waste each other's time. It is what it is. Uh, have a happy labor day. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening to this episode and ciao for now.